0: This week's episode of The Important Cinema Club is a very special one, because what are we doing, Will Sloan?
1: Uh, Wait, is this like a very special episode like on Home Improvement when the one kid did drugs? Like we're going to learn a lesson by the end of the episode?
0: No, we're just giving our top 10 list of 2015.
1: Well, thank God. You know, it's about time that two white guys weighed in with their 10 favorite movies of the year. So are you saying this is the only list anyone will need? I think so. Well, this is, I think, the first first two top 10 lists that have been released this year, right? Ever. Yes, ever. I think somebody needs to put this year in some sort of an order. (laughs) And we're here to do it. Two be spectacled
0: white guys are really gonna lay it down on the line yeah all right so we're gonna jump right
1: into this wait no we shouldn't do that like what what do you what were your thoughts on this year was it, it, it was a good year yeah you know it is kind of a stupid question that i just asked because everyone always feels the need to like sum up was it a good year for movies a bad year for movies? most years are pretty much the same
0: yeah i don't think there's ever been a year where i've been like this has been a really bad year for movies you know because movies are made Across the world. Yeah. So somewhere's going to be making good movies. Yeah. That's
1: that's the basics. And and most movies are always bad. Yep. Uh,
0: So there's only a few good movies out there that you're going to find. I never
1: have trouble uh, assembling 10 movies for my arbitrary and meaningless (laughs) top 10 list that no one cares about.
0: I absolutely agree with you. I have to say that this is probably the first time I've ever done a top 10 list that have tried to structure it in any way. Usually when I say, I say, oh, this is no particular order. Because it doesn't mean anything. But, but,
1: you know, the no particular like top 10 lists are already meaningless yeah. like so since you're already we're playing... really
0: dissuading any so, listener right now no, or like... since
1: you're playing a meaningless game anyway why not just play by the rules and put it in order
0: but what but, is a movie that I like like is a movie I want to watch more that made an impact on me that I thought
1: about well that's not for me to answer <laughs> listen just... you're
0: on a podcast you're supposed to answer any question that comes your way Will
1: I I you know kind of followed my heart and just <laughs> I just let the 10 movies fall in the place that they were meant to fall. So you just wrote whatever
0: came to mind in the
1: order that they came, and that was your top ten list? Well, no. I mean, I, I sort of, I sort of like, kind of felt the mojo a little more You're with like, what movies. film did
0: Jackie Chan release this
1: year? <laughs> uh, it was a movie called Dragon Blade, and yep. it's not on my top ten. What? Even with Adrian Brody and John Cusack being in it? Let's just say it's one of 70 or so honorable mentions. <laughs> 70? Are you going to go through all
0: 70 in this podcast? Well, no. Oh, number 70. I would put it higher than that, Will.
1: Well, I said it's in the top 70. Oh, okay. It's probably better than, like, Mordecai or so something like 12, 11. Uh, I don't know. (laughs) Way beside Tangerine. Don't make me put where it actually is. (laughs) (laughs)
0: But yeah, so, you know, top 10 lists are arbitrary. Even though the people seem to discuss it endlessly so, on social media platforms. Yeah,
1: I can, I keep following all these all these people on Twitter who for the last 3 months have been doing their draft lists of their top 10 movies of the year and being like, uh, high of mind, uh, should it be should I put movies that are theatrical release or can I include festival screenings? And it's like nobody cares. <laughs>
0: But you know what? I have to be in the position of things that have only played at the festival, I always poo-poo when I see them on top
1: ten lists. I don't care.
0: Really? Well, yeah. you know, I'm, I have a little bit of human compassion. Okay. Well, you're just a hard, stone-hearted man. But,
1: you know, isn't one of the purposes of a top ten list to give people some cool movie, movie yeah. rental ideas so the next time they're at Blockbuster or at their <laughs> local local movie theater... Many people have said the top ten lists serve as a recommendation
0: machine. Yeah, But I think it throws it kind of out of balance where you see the next year's top ten lists will have those movies. And mm. usually when I see them, I'm like, Pfft, yeah. I saw a top ten list last year. And it's also <laughs> a way of kind of, like, putting people's face in the fact that you saw a movie before they did
1: yeah i and, mean and that's fine because what is a top 10 list if not just a way for you to flaunt your taste oh absolutely so i'm um, yeah whatever it is a narcissistic exercise so mm-hmm. yeah just embrace that and now that we've gone through all of that we can jump into
0: our own top how ten. Long, list.
1: how long have you been doing top 10 lists
0: uh, I said that I've only made one top ten list before this. Okay. Okay. So Never this, before. So, this
1: is kind of a virgin experience for you. This yes. is new. Are you, are uh, you going to be
0: gentle with me, Will, as I go <laughs> through it? <laughs>
1: because, you know, I didn't do it because who cares? Yeah. Like I saw the movies that I liked and I have, I had no place to share this list on Facebook. Well, my friends I, can ask me. I have, you know, David Davidson's Teal film review blog where me and all of the rest of film Twitter send our top 10 lists,
0: which is uh, a really good list. If yeah. only because there's what, like a hundred names it seems yeah,
1: like. And it's great for me to be there with all those people.
0: <laughs> Do you, are you feel you're validated by being there?
1: Uh, a little bit. Yeah.
0: <laughs> when you're beside, I don't know uh who else is on that list oh you know all the film twitter people <laughs> uh will sloan is not going to name any names
1: no this is about it, me this is my
0: list and it's will sloan's That's top right. 10 list so what is your number
1: 10 and we're gonna go you say your 10 i'll say my 10 discuss onward from there Well, my number 10 is a movie that I saw in TIFF 2014. What? So already I'm breaking the rule that I set earlier. It's, oh, oh, it's actually out. Yeah. It's available on DVD. It was theatrically released this year. It's a little movie called Josh and Benny Safdie's Heaven Knows What. Yes. A harrowing look at the life of a heroin addict played by Ariel Holmes. Uh, this is a movie that, did you, you caught up with this, right? Yep,
0: I did. So, I had an unfair advantage, which is that I looked at Will's top ten list, and I tried to see as many movies (laughs) that I hadn't seen. And I had seen Heaven Knows What on a bunch of lists. Andrew Parker, uh, T.O. film critic, put it out as, like,
1: his number two, uh, film of the year. yeah. So, and I'm gonna be on your side. It's a great movie. It's a great movie. It's a very, incredibly uncomfortable movie to watch, but, uh... Uh, one that stuck with me as a very, uh, very harrowing and and intense look at the life of a junkie, mm-hmm. and Ariel Holmes' performance is great.
0: And who is Ariel Holmes for people? She was
1: heard... a real life uh, homeless person and uh, recovering heroin addict who the Safdie brothers apparently just sort of ran into while they were researching another film. Researching another film. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, everything about it reads like a pickup attempt.
0: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But, they were like we were just mesmerized by her giant beautiful eyes but apparently
1: she gave them uh, her unpublished autobiography and mm-hmm. that was the basis of the film
0: yep and it's a great film which i'm weird weirdly not many people ta- have talked
1: about like just looking
0: i haven't really seen this on anyone's top 10 list other than a handful of people
1: well it's a hard movie to watch mm-hmm. uh yeah
0: so <laughs> that's that's how you the line you go hard movie to watch yeah but you should watch it because it's great
1: yeah very vivid and good what's your number 10 so my number
0: 10 is Tangerine. Okay. Which is a little movie that came out Sundance 2015 or 14. Yeah, yeah, sure. It's a little movie about two transgender women in LA over one night, Christmas Eve. All my favorite movies take place during Christmas Eve. <laughs> and most famously, it's shot on a cell phone, which doesn't really play into the movie that much other than give it a kind of like almost raising Arizona style energy. Uh-huh. And it's a little slice of life drama. And it's a great movie. Yeah. I want to toe gently. Even the director was like, I'm not doing an audio commentary for this movie because I'm afraid I'm going to say something that's going to anger people.
1: I'm actually, uh, that might be one reason why it's not on my list because I think it's a really good movie. Part of me worries it might be like just too much of, you know, a straight white guy's perspective on the trans world and maybe I'm not picking up on that. And
0: it is a straight white guy's perspective because it's a straight white guy that directed the movie. Yeah, so. yeah. But it's
1: a great movie. So yeah, it's very
0: enjoyable. One of those movies that thankfully it's my number 10. I don't really have to talk about that much because everyone knows <laughs> that it's great. Yeah. Like, it's, it, go see it. And it's easily available on Blu-ray and DVD now. So what's your number nine,
1: Will? A little movie called Creed. Ooh, that's uh, my number eight. You know, Creed, Um, I had a very intensely emotional experience watching it. I feel like the Rocky movies have become kind of like the Before Sunrise, Before Sunset series for me, where every 10 years or so you check in with Rocky Balboa and see how he's doing. I would have laughed at myself if the past me had
0: seen the future me and how emotionally attached I've become to these Rocky movies. I know, yeah. And it's kind of crazy, because in my youth, they weren't even that big a part of them. They were kind of a joke. I was with my uncles recently uh, during the holiday season, and they were like, oh, Rocky IV is obviously the superior Rocky film. And I'm like, what are you, crazy?
1: But Rocky IV... It's still a movie I really like. Rocky IV is very enjoyable, but it's a piece of shit.
0: Yeah. It's not, <laughs> I mean, unless you love montage and 80s, uh, you know, power ballads, lots of those in Rocky and IV. And Dolph Lundgren has. But one of the most interesting things about the Rocky movies is the way they kind of evolved from like Rocky I and this kitchen sink drama to Rocky Two, which is a kind of revisionist version of that. Rocky Three getting into that comic booky kind of feel with Mr. T and stuff like that. Rocky Four, pure comic book. Rocky Five, trying to get back to that. Rocky Balboa, great movie. hmm and then Creed, which is a mix of all of them. it those. very much
1: parallels, I would say, Stallone's own career.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Where Stallone is always making these big home runs, and he seems to
1: self sabotage himself right around <laughs> the corner from that. I, but you know, he's got to win an Oscar. I think if we work together, we can make this happen.
0: Do you think he can win it? He was nominated for a Golden Globe. Yeah, I
1: think he can do this.
0: Really, I don't know if it was popular enough. I, I like it did well, Creed, but it never went into that stratosphere that would push him into being. A, a,
1: I think a if we all work together right now, and I think this talk. 10 list right here is going to gonna <laughs> is gonna keep the momentum going. The Oscar voters are going to hear this. Gonna we're going like, to put this on a CD and send it to all the Academy members. <laughs> I would love if Sylvester Stallone won a Best Supporting Actor. How big would his ego? Would he just die right there? I want him to win because Oscars are dumb anyway so let's just give it to the sympathy candidate. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's my rule of thumb. He's great, but he's great, he in, is great. in Creed. Yeah. He really wears it like a second skin, that character. Where do you think the director's career is going to go? Did you see Fruitvale Station? Uh, oh. Yes, I liked it generally. Mm-hmm. I didn't like it as much as this new one but yeah
0: Creed just strikes that like perfect balance though between like the audience pleasing yeah you know Rocky-ish my audience burst into applause when the Rocky
1: music started which never happens usually in multiplex audiences I saw it at a sparsely attended noontime screening where there was no applause <laughs> at all so <laughs> I envy your experience
0: your tears could be um... well
1: it felt like a very kind of solitary experience crying at this movie by <laughs> myself just in this empty auditorium <laughs> it felt like I'd kind of like you know I, f- I felt like a monk who had gone to like a church on top of a mountain and was crying in front of a crucifix.
0: My only complaint about Creed is I feel that Stallone has that big emotional beat it doesn't really exist in the film that i'm waiting for like the big cuz he plays it so What
1: about at the boxy scene at the end where he's like you he sure as hell don't know what we've been through
0: <laughs> That's a great scene oh. and there's and a lot of people have said that Stallone is very subdued in the role uh-huh. which is makes it like a more well-rounded performance but i wanted that big like emotional moment what if he had died in the movie
1: Uh i don't want that. And i want Rocky to live.
0: <laughs> you want Rocky to just live forever? Yeah,
1: that's right. Cuz i, I want to see another 10 years. <laughs>
0: Rocky.
1: I also, I also love that in this movie, it's like it starts as the Apollo, as the Apollo Creed's son, and then he just goes to Philadelphia, and then he wanders into Rocky's restaurant. I like this idea that Rocky kind of exists in the real world, and you could theoretically wander into his restaurant, and he's there. Like, like Rocky's quiet life continues between these movies. Yeah, and just by chance, this movie happens to have stumbled upon it. So, are you trying to say that you believe that other movies could
0: interact with the Rocky universe? I think that would be
1: great if they did. Yeah, like the
0: Marvel Cinematic Universe, or like. We need one person to get it through this yeah. to go see Rocky or something yeah. like that. But like, what other stories are there to tell about
1: Rocky? Well, probably about Apollo Creed's son at this point.
0: Yeah, but like Rocky
1: <sighs> dying? like that's... Well, yeah, like Burgess Meredith eventually. How many tears would you shed if Rocky died? I would mo- t- probably shed a lot. <laughs> Judging by how many tears I shed during this one.
0: Yeah, <laughs> where you're invested in Apollo Creed. And Michael B. Jordan, great actor. I don't think we have to say anything more yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, he's fine. What's your, what's your, whoa, 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 what, whoa. Geez, Will. I'm here to talk about Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> and only Sylvester Stallone. My number. No, Michael B. Jordan's great. My, my number nine is Diary of a Teenage Girl. I don't know if you got a chance to see that movie. I uh, did not. Uh, for good things. Great movie. Mm-hmm. I don't <laughs>
1: know what else I'm supposed to say. Can we what? just talk about Rocky more? <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: actually a movie that is... It's a coming-of-age story, but it's probably a lot more complicated with that and deals with more complex emotional issues because the film is about the main protagonist who's supposed to be 15 in the film sleeping with her mother's boyfriend. and But it never victimizes her. She never feels like she's the one that's in trouble and it never even paints the boyfriend in a villainous light. Mm. So it's a very interesting film in the way that it goes about that and the lessons she
1: learns, etc, etc. Coming of age story, female perspective, straight white male. What can I say about that? The reason that I didn't see it uh, and I've been told by everyone that I was wrong to feel this way was because the trailer looked so twee. With it's all not the, twee at all. With all the dumb animation. It looked like <clears throat> Juno or something and I've heard everyone said that it's actually better than the trailer. Yeah, it's not uh, if anything
0: I would say, the, it's not really a comedy. Uh-huh. And like the trailer kind of made it like, hey, look how wacky it is. And it doesn't have that like twee 500 days of summer kind of bent at all.
1: So, what's your number 8? Uh The Forbidden Room by Guy Mann and Evan Johnson. Uh I would say the thing that really pushed it over the top for me on this list in addition to being kind of an amazing uh one of a kind uh celluloid dreamscape mm. was the fact that it had that that spark song about udo kier being obsessed with women's hinders <laughs> yep. which you can see on youtube and i've watched maybe 15 times wow really? i just love that song so much
0: uh you know what that one didn't really struggle itself onto my top talents but i really enjoyed it when i saw it in cinemas i mm-hmm. don't uh, have you seen it oh, did you only watch it once in yes. theaters or i wonder yeah. how it would play to like a second viewing i if think it, it might be improve. better yeah. yeah now that you're not waiting for for people who don't know what the movie is it's about guy madden canadians I don't know what you would call it. Canada's
1: Guy Madden. Canada's Guy Madden. Um, uh, Adapting lost films. Yes. Oftentimes just the title. Just the title. And he'll imagine his own. A lot of it was shot uh, live at the Pompidou uh, in Paris. Mm. And
0: uh, those short films that he makes intersect with each other as people tell stories about the film or dream or listen to the ground it's sort of
1: a bizarre dream logic
0: yeah exactly and it's probably the most fun movie guy madden has made in a decade like
1: yeah i guess my winnipeg actually my Winnipeg's came. pretty fun they're yeah. all fun Come on, they're all fun whoa whoa whoa! how dare you keyhole uh keyhole has his moments um so my number eight like i said was creed so my number six actually what's your number my number seven is a standby for tape backup this is one of those ones that only showed at a film festival yep and probably will never be released theatrically because it uses a lot of copyrighted clips doesn't it probably uh standby for tape backup is by the poet ross sutherland mm-hmm. who it's fashioned around a vhs tape that he had as a child which was recorded he recorded fragments of like Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and and Ghostbusters and Mm -hmm. just various things. And he, he kind of goes back and forth in it, using it as a metaphor for his own life. And it's supposedly very emotional. The people that I uh, know that saw it like really loved. it. Yeah, uh, talking about struggling with depression or uh, mm-hmm. you know whatever. I can't remember because <laughs> you saw it eight months ago, I right? Eight, you know, you see these things eight months ago, and uh, I just remember that it was very powerful. <laughs> but
0: that's all you remember. And now about I have it? to and
1: now I have to talk about
0: it. Why? Why do I have to talk about that's it? That's not what fucking art is. You should just experience it. I think, that's all. You
1: know, that's the thing about this movie. It's like it's like it. It speaks for itself.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, my co-host on the Loose Cannons podcast, Matthew Kumar, liked it enough that he found a reason to go to New York to see it when it played in New York. And when wow. you saw it, did the director actually do the spoken word stuff himself? No, he didn't. Okay. So it's sometimes done that way. Sometimes it's just the movie itself. Yeah, that's right. So if you guys get a chance to see it, it's probably going to only be a film festival title unless it gets dumped to like Vimeo or YouTube at some point. Yeah. So my number seven is Afirim, also known I don't as know Bravo, is. <laughs> which is a Romanian film. Black and white. It's kind of a western. It's about two kind of police officers, a father and son, who are going across the countryside looking for um, an escaped slave. And the director says that it's structured as a western, and it kind of is, but it doesn't really use those elements. It takes place in about 1835 in Romania, so it's supposedly very historically accurate. I don't know anything about Romania now, let alone at that time, but it's one of the most beautiful-looking movies that I saw all year. The black-and-white cinematography, the way it's framed. And for anyone who knows Romania and the Romanian New Wave, which is all, like, static Cameras. Hmm. This one is kind of all the scenes playing wides. There's like no close-ups, but there's always just a little bit of a camera move to reveal more information to just add to the frame. I really loved it. It's a really hard movie, just kind of heaven knows what. Like, it's not like a fun <laughs> audience pleaser. It won tons of awards at a bunch of film festivals and was released on DVD in the UK, but just kind of faded away. And other than reading about it on, I think maybe someone's
1: else top 10 list or recommendations, I had never heard about it before. Okay. Okay, good when we send this podcast all the academy members not only will they support Stallone, but we'll get the ball rolling on this one but too. uh was actually sent by romania as their oscar contender for oh, 2015 good. yeah uh, my number six is Shaun the Sheep movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, boy, I saw this one. I went by, uh, by myself to the Young and AMC to <laughs> As the, you see most movies. To the 10.30 p.m. Uh, Wednesday night show, hoping that I would be alone uh, because I didn't want to see it with kids. <laughs> really? Uh, I oh, was, you grumped. I was not alone. There were lots of other uh, men by themselves there, <laughs> weirdly enough. And so I was a little pissed off at that, but immediately the movie started and I was in love. This is the latest film by Ardman Animation. Creators of Wallace and Gromit and mm-hmm. Chicken Run, it's a spinoff of Wallace and Gromit, uh, starring Sean the Sheep and his various sheep friends, who I believe are a TV show.
0: Yes, uh, I think it's a bunch of shorts, like Sean the Sheep shorts. Yeah, yeah.
1: A claymation story about how their, uh, uh, let me see, their sheep farmer uh, goes to the big city, loses his memory, <laughs> and becomes a famous barber, and they have to go to the go to the city and save him but mere words cannot do justice it's it's a it's a delightful it's like a silent comedy all the all there's this scene where they're all in a restaurant pretending to be humans like one sheep on top of another sheep and they've got a big coat on them yeah. Wow, oh,
0: this—I think yeah. this has been your most Roger Ebert-like review you've done yet. <laughs> You're like, it was a
1: delight. <laughs> I I loved it. I was I laughed all the way through. I've seen it. It's a very funny film. I think it's garbage that parents won't take their kids to Aardman movies.
0: What is that true? Is that a fact that they won't take them to Aardman films?
1: The, like this movie made twenty million dollars parents wow will
0: that's crazy but i feel like maybe did the studio bury it by any chance because it came out in the uk yeah
1: yeah the studio did bury it and i think it's a shame
0: Mm-hmm. oh because there was another movie maybe the box trolls that didn't do so good yeah and you know the way hollywood works they're like oh that means kids don't want to see stop motion yeah. animation hollywood you know. I, um so my number six is the assassin
1: oh good we may hear a bit about that a little bit later all right so it's a really good movie
0: and when will puts it on his top then we'll talk about it then all right so what's your after that
1: my number five is sleeping giant by uh boy wonder andrew Cividino. uh this is a coming of age story about three uh kind of 12 or 13-ish year old boys on summer vacation uh, in. Some part of Canada on summer vacation in yeah. Ontario somewhere. Yeah, uh, and the tensions that they have with each other. What I love about this movie is that it really captures how dickish uh, young kids are. Y- y- yeah, <laughs> children totally. are. I think most uh, most depictions of kids. Kind of overly romanticize it, and their dickishness is more charming when you yeah. see it in those movies. Or or coming as, of as age, this, there, there, I think comes a point uh, in kids' lives when they realize that cruelty is one of the ways that they can exhibit power over people. Mm-hmm. It's, it's also kind of shows the Asian life when kids realize their parents aren't infallible anymore yeah um I, I saw the
0: movie at tiff and it was great it was actually on my top 10 list for a long time before i was like it hasn't really come out even though technically it did it played for a week at the carlton cinema in toronto yeah to qualify
1: for i think it's called the academy in canada yeah the toronto film critics award as yeah. well yeah
0: so it's a fantastic movie technically it's coming out in april at least, theatrical theatrical. Release. yeah for a week yeah but it's coming like if you're not in toronto it's coming out in april Mm -hmm. and you can see it then yeah great movie Virgining new talent. Um, the guy's name, I don't remember what it is. Andrew Cividino. Andrew Civadino. Do you know him personally? Or I've met him once. Oh, really? Uh, I don't like. And he's a dick.
1: I don't like anybody who's about my age who's talented.
0: <laughs> what do you mean? You have your own podcast. You're, you know, the talk of the town. Yeah.
1: No. 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 It pisses me off.
0: <laughs> all right. Uh, I used to be like you, Will. Before <laughs> I just became indifferent to it all. <laughs> um, so my number five is Mia Madre. Have you heard of this, Will? I've heard of it. So. I should clarify here. There's A lot of movies here that Will's like, well, I don't know what these movies are. That's because I got the new issue of Cade Cinema. And I went through it being like, are there any movies that I haven't seen here? Mia Madre is actually really good. It's about a a director who's dealing with the death of her mother. And she's going through it while directing a film that stars John Turturro. Mm -hmm. Who plays like this asshole actor that she can't deal with. And as a guy who makes films myself now and then, I, I, I really am attracted to those kind of movies where it's like dealing with the set and actors and technical people while at the same time she's going through this emotional turmoil of what to do when your mother is like about to die. Mm. And as me and Will, we're getting older, our parents <laughs> will die one day. <laughs> Not mine. you are going to live forever. Yeah. I feel it's a movie that's probably something I'm going to go back to a lot and will resonate a lot, especially in the way that it's constructed where it uses that kind of like you have the formal straightforward story there's also dreams, the past, the future. And the thing about the film, too, is that the main character, the director, she is not dealing with this well. She is acting like an asshole most of the time, uh-huh. which actually makes her weirdly sympathetic in a way that if she was just kind of grieving in a, in a form that we see in a lot of movies, it wouldn't have that kind of impact. But because of the way the film is constructed, it really uh, got to me.
1: The movies I go back to oftentimes are often movies like Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. I knew you were going to say that. The Mask.
0: <laughs> so you feel that when your parents will pass on to a better place, that those are the movies you're going to review at yeah, the and their I'll,
1: funeral and their funeral. Yeah, and I'll laugh. True I'll, <laughs> I'll be in a better... I don't, I don't need a movie that'll make me more depressed. <laughs> but, you know, it's like when you listen to sad songs,
0: when you have a relationship uh, that goes sour. Oh, or are you trying to say that when you... you usually, I try to
1: listen to happy songs <laughs> to blot that shit out of my head.
0: So, like Ace Ventura,
1: The Mask... Yeah.
0: <laughs> Jim Carrey's
1: filmography, pretty much. Yeah. Not the number 23, because that's a real downer. No, it's pretty funny. <laughs> uh, my number four is Buzzard, the latest by Joel Petrikas. Is that how you pronounce his name? I have no idea. Uh, you saw this one, right? Yep. Uh, it was okay. It didn't really do that much for oh, me. Oh, man, I loved it. It's about this uh, this horrible, loser, Ooh, horrible la- loser layabout man who basically spends the whole movie trying to figure out how to cheat the system.
0: But in a really stupid way.
1: Yeah, so in the opening scene, he tries to... Close his bank account just so that he can collect the fifty dollars that you can get if you close if you start a new bank account, which he
0: the film posits that he has done already, yeah. to make fifty dollars before. And yeah, he keeps trying to find the most short-sighted way. So like he'll he buys appliances from his work that he then goes to the store where they ordered it from, and yeah. returns them,
1: yeah, and and he does he does that throughout. And eventually, it has this kind of ironic ending where. It,
0: yeah, well, don't spoil yeah, it for sorry, people that don't sorry. know. But it's a it's a weird movie that has kind of been advertised the wrong way. I feel because they really focus on the fact that he's making this like Freddy Krueger glove out of a power glove. Yeah, and I, it, it's it really doesn't really this, matter. It's really
1: this pitch black comedy about <laughs> just a horrible man. And what I my favorite scene in the movie which will be no surprise to anyone who's seen it, is the five-minute scene where he's just in this hotel that he's paid for that he obviously can't afford.
0: It was his
1: last bit of money. And he's just sitting there eating spaghetti and spilling it all over himself and laughing while he watches TV. Uh, Really encapsulates kind of what a loser idiot he is. My issue with the
0: film is that I, I like the character fine, but I felt the world around him was a little too... Specifically, the second main character in the movie oh. was a little too broad for me. And then if it was a little bit more grounded and he was the piece of shit, that would have worked well with me.
1: The the second lead character being It's basically this, a
0: character right out of Napoleon Dynamite. Kind
1: of like this this weird sci-fi video game nerd who's... Not even a weird sci-fi. <laughs> He's just a, like the losers of losers. And and he lives with his parents and... Mm. and our hero stays in his house i don't know i think that guy is exactly like a lot of people i've known in my (laughs) life really
0: yeah um but yeah uh, it's definitely a movie i would give you know a recommendation if i mean we were me and will would talk about this before we
1: started recording but will loves these like lone loser films (laughs) like tower yeah or honorable mention choice how heavy this hammer yeah uh.
0: it's kind of like beyond mumblecore (laughs) into this world of like complete do you see yourself
1: reflected in buzzard a little bit though I think I'm a lot more responsible, but when I look at Buzzard, I kind of think there, but for the grace of God, go I. <laughs> so wait, you like, see. that's how it could have been. Had things, had things not gone the right way. Oh, wow. Had I not, had I not controlled myself?
0: Well, you know what? The future still lays ahead of you. So maybe, maybe the- I can screw up my life. Yeah, And the movie is actually really funny because he has an office job mm-hmm. that he complains about endlessly in the film. That he's going to make things different, but he just has no vision or anything. So it just goes crashing down. There's an incredible
1: him. sense of entitlement to the character. <laughs>
0: yes. For what we see is he's just a moron. Yeah. Um, so my number four is Bone Tomahawk. A movie that... I've seen almost none of your list. (laughs) I've seen Creed. Um, Bone Tomahawk is a movie that I first heard of when uh, a friend of mine saw it for... and said it was just really boring. He's like, "Ah, this movie sucks. Don't see it. But then other film festivals, it was kind of trickling out. That was kind of awesome. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to give it a chance. Now it's two hours and change. It's a Western. I should note that. I'm a huge Western fan. Like, I love Westerns. And this one is kind of those... I would say almost workmanlike westerns that came out in like the '60s, like uh, Bud Bud Boichiger, I can't say his last name. <laughs> made a bunch of movies like that, where it's just like people that are good at their job just doing their job. Mm-hmm. And it has like Kurt Russell, Patrick Wilson, uh, Matthew Fox, probably in the best role since Speed Racer. Mm-hmm. Um, Richard Jenkins, who's amazing I love in the Richard film, Jenkins. and everyone who sees the film says Richard Jenkins is the all star in the film. And it's just like a searchers kind of scenario where a bunch of cannibals capture a bunch of people and then this group of cowboys have to go after them but the way the movie is structured is that almost the first two hours is just them walking through the through the desert getting to these cannibals and what makes the movie work is the first time director s craig uh, zoller is he has like this great dialogue that could only come from someone who's written tons of books because he's a novelist. Um, And he writes like crime fiction. And so, and a lot of people have complained that the film isn't very well directed. And that's just because he plays almost everything in wide shots. Very few close-ups, except for when they finally meet the cannibals and things explode in violence. And characters that you've been following for like the last two hours just die like that. Mm -hmm. And it's that kind of structure and the way it plays off and the way that i never found it boring i was always engaged in what was going on i like the characters and i like its old school style which makes it a movie that i really love other than like the other movies on my list that i've mentioned up to now bone tomahawk i've actually watched twice and so is the movie that's my number three film i've also watched twice and the second time it just got better Hmm. which you know is i think is a sign that this is a great movie so bone tomahawk love it even
1: though some people hate it what's your number three choice
0: what? Right, do you want my number yeah, three yeah, choice? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well,
1: what's your number three choice? My number three choice is the look of silence. Josh. All right. Oof, we'll talk about that. Ge- my number three choice. <laughs> <laughs> what? You don't want to hear about uh, <laughs> about genocide? Uh, my number three, three choice. SPL2. Oh, nice. A time for consequences.
0: Yeah, so, SPL2. Wait,
1: that only showed... the. Uh, nope, it was released in
0: Hong Kong. You can get it on DVD and Blu-ray. Oh,
1: what about North American theatrical release? I don't care about North American
0: theatrical. Okay. Like, the other one I said, Aphorim, I don't think has a North e- theatrical okay. release yet, but it's in the UK. If you can get
1: it, that's okay. what's important for me. I just want to point out that I've seen SPL2. You and, have? So, there's
0: one that you and have I, seen. And I
1: also liked it a lot, but go ahead.
0: Uh, SPL2, I'm a big kung fu aficionado, and SPL2 is probably the most well-rounded kung fu film. I would say... Hmm. not maybe not the last decade it's going pretty far but in the last maybe five years i would put it over even it man 2 Mm. as far as movies that all around i enjoyed i don't think i've had a more joyous theatrical experience than the two times i saw spl2 (laughs) i saw it at midnight madness with my pal matthew kumar i've never plotted more during a movie (laughs) and then i saw it the next day with eastern you A friend of mine. And again, I've never applauded more during a screening. So like these... The action is good in it. I don't know if I'd even call it great. But the direction is stylish. The stars are charismatic enough. You care at the end that they win. The story
1: is engrossing.
0: Yeah, engrossing. And it's melodramatic in a way that's just satisfying. In a way that you're... I wouldn't say you're laughing at it because you're still engaged by the end but it's so over the top that it's like oh my gosh yeah it has a bit
1: of that john woo quality yeah part. exactly another thing i like about it is how violent and ugly a lot of it is mm-hmm. uh which i didn't necessarily think was possible for a mainland production <laughs> it's, it seems about as kind of gory and violent as it could be
0: yeah and it's a movie that's weirdly because i as i mentioned it did get released in hong kong and it's kind of faded away from people's and it's not related to spl1 i mean so you don't have to see the first one even though you should see the first one mm-hmm. so the first movie's great and and uh, heralded like the set, the the new wave, I guess, of Hong Kong action,
1: if you can call it that, when it came out. Mm. Um, but so SBL two, a time for consequences. Highly recommend it. My number three, again, is The Look of Silence, Joshua Oppenheimer's follow-up to The Act of Killing. Which crazily did not win Best uh, Documentary. No, it it lost to uh, 20 Feet from Stardom. Which
0: is a fine film that's like a popcorn kind of film. Yeah,
1: The the Act of Killing, Oppenheimer allowed many of the worst perpetrators of the Indonesian genocide to reenact their crimes in sort of an action movie setting. Mm -hmm. Um, which was, I think, uh, ethically questionable, uh, but raised a lot of interesting issues. This new one, I think, is is a simpler work, but I, I also think kind of a, a less gimmicky and more powerful work. Mm-hmm. It follows an optometrist whose uh, older brother was killed uh, during the genocide, and he goes to either perpetrators of the genocide or surviving family members to confront them about with this information and it's just interesting to see one by one what their reactions are some of them and begin threatening him uh, others family members sort of apologize to him for what their family did but then also get very defensive very testy uh wondering why he's there why he's bringing up this information to them Mm -hmm. uh there's a sense that many of the family members had regarded their relatives as heroes of this conflict and now they're being confronted with what they actually did and they don't want to hear that information Mm -hmm. and i think it speaks to something very powerfully speaks to something very troubling in human nature which is that we don't actually want the truth we just we want to live in the comforting fictions that we tell ourselves (laughs) the
0: most palatable uh reality that we can construct yeah Um, so I didn't see this documentary. So this is probably the only movie on your list that I haven't seen. Presumably. I know you've seen the next one. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. but uh, I haven't seen it yet. But everyone says it's a great documentary. So you should go and watch it, I guess. Because, uh, you know, top 10 list recommendation machines. All of these movies we're mentioning, you should go and see, I feel. Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you don't know what, the films you're pulling back on? And you're I just about? want to be
1: contradictory right now.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. So you're going to be the Cade Cinema uh, kind of guy. Yeah. Which, if you want to see crazy top ten lists, go see the Cade Cinema <laughs> what list. What was
1: on their list this year? Uh,
0: it was Mia Madre appeared a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, Inherent Vice was on there a oh, lot yeah. because it probably got a theatrical release that was later. I don't really remember. Whatever the new Abel Ferreira film is, <laughs> Pasolini probably. Yeah. Um, some One of them had Jurassic World on there oh sure yeah so not on my list yeah (laughs) nonsense uh my number two wait are we all lost here your number three three. so i'll do two is slow west a movie that as i said before i love westerns and this movie just i don't know what it did but it just kind of flipped that switch in me where like when it ended i had to go see my girlfriend emily and i'm like oh my gosh you have to see this movie i thought it was okay and instantly forgettable well you know some of us uh, connect with films a little bit better uh, unironically but... and
1: others have kind of like closed themselves off to all emotions <laughs> yeah. can only appreciate things ironically well that leads to my number two choice mordecai <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah slow west
0: is i think a really good film in that it does the western thing in ways that you wouldn't necessarily expect without being like a complete reinvention of the genre um
1: yeah but yes, I would, I would you kind of in. shut
0: me down here. Will. I would, I have w- else I would to say. weigh
1: in about it. But yeah, you you've, you summed it up. It's totally unremarkable. There's nothing really to it. <laughs> and, and like and th- it's not even worth talking
0: about. I haven't actually seen it like like the other thing you said, like eight months ago. I think that's when I saw it. So it's really tough for me to remember. Yeah, it's and tough for me to remember it, too.
1: Anything
0: specific about it? Other than that, I, when I saw it, I really loved it.
1: All right. Yep. I saw Better it. than whatever Will's about to recommend. I saw it was totally indifferent. Well, I'm not so sure because- <laughs> I know. Oh, no. If I myself- is The Assassin by the legendary Taiwanese filmmaker Ho Xiaoshan. Awful. It's his attempt at a uh, Wuxai martial arts <laughs> a film. A
0: Wuxai? How do you pronounce that? Wuxia. Wuxia? Yeah, I've never heard it pr- pr- pronounced that way. Wow, well, but... it's
1: got an X in it,
0: though. It does. I used to say, yeah, I think I said it, uh, w- I used to say wuxia. like w- Wuxia. Wuxia. Is how you, yeah, but that's not how you say it either. It's Wuxia. Uh
1: uh possibly i believe i think i heard bay logan say it that way once oh Kong Kong cinema expert bay logan yes uh the assassin is possibly the most beautiful movie ever made i mean i don't know about ever made it's really come on absolutely incredible Uh, yeah i almost feel like it almost feels cheap even talking about this movie because it's it's like a poem
0: or a painting (laughs) you know yeah but how's the action in it will uh, brief. Very brief. <laughs> yeah.
1: I was actually surprised watching it that there was a lot more than I thought there was going to be. From the way people talked about it. Mm-hmm. And kind of poorly filmed. <laughs> Lots it, of jump cuts. This is one of two movies on my list that I saw twice. Because, of course, uh, the first time the plot was very difficult to follow. Mm-hmm. The second time I found it easier to follow the plot. But it also made me think that the plot mattered less. Do you, mm. do you know what I mean? Yeah, Like, it, it was very much about, uh, you know, the power of the images.
0: I would go to bat to say that this movie is not boring. And that anyone yeah. who says it's boring is either watching it on their computer while doing something <laughs> or i i don't know they don't like pretty movies and they want something more out of them like but even the plot like you said isn't really that important but it's still really complicated and dense so Mm -hmm. if you're trying to follow it you really got to stick through it a lot of palace intrigue (laughs) yes and uh shu kui last seen in the transporter films
1: (laughs) yeah transporter film yeah
0: as the lead assassin
1: yeah, also from a Viva Erotica.
0: Well, I don't know what that is. You don't
1: know if Derek E's hit film Viva Erotica? Nope, never saw Oh, oh how it can out. we
0: forget So Close? The classic Korean fighting females movie. Never seen it. Ah, man, you missed the golden age of Hong Kong in the early 2000s. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, you better be. All right, so The Assassins are number two, which is a movie
1: that kind of appeared on, I guess, everyone's list that saw it. Yeah. That's an, another reason why I'm not that enthusiastic about talking about it. But I'm especially not enthusiastic about talking about my number one and yours, I'm certain. <laughs> yes. Mad Max Fury, Fury Road. Road. I saw
0: this one three times before. I saw it a lot of times in the movie theaters.
1: And it was great every time. It's a really good movie. Um, Wait, well, We blah, need blah, a hot nah. take on it. Everyone. Uh, okay, hot take. Not a good movie. <laughs> but I'm number one anyway. Uh, yeah. Peer pressure did it. I think uh, what's good about this movie is it's the kind of movie that feels like it shouldn't be made, which is like a big $150 million movie that is one man's singular vision. Mm -hmm. It's kind of the the fullest articulation of the world that he created in Mad Max and the Road Warrior. Yeah. (sighs) I'm sorry. I've already heard this a million (laughs) million times before. Yeah. Uh, So do you think George Miller will make more movies like this? That's the... Well, he's 70. He'll probably be dead soon. All right. (laughs) I, you know, okay. Here's my hot take, though. Yeah. Uh, uh, and it's also Quentin Tarantino's hot take on this movie, which is that it should have starred Mel Gibson. Now, listen. Ooh, I love Tom Hardy in the movie. I Tom Hardy's great, and listen, Mel Gibson is a horrible, you know, piece Holocaust of shit. Supposedly, denier. Tom
0: Hardy is a piece of shit too as a human being.
1: Really? Not as bad as Mel Gibson, I don't think. Well, listen, I I can't keep track of everyone who's a piece of shit, but <laughs>
0: yeah. I, I, I you look I, at yourself in the mirror every morning, and that's yeah,
1: enough. I live with a piece of shit every day, um, but uh imagine though okay i it, think it would have been it's insane old mel gibson yeah. carting around all these women that would have added a whole other dimension to the to the movie
0: i'm i'm really curious to know what the movie would have been when he was supposed to shoot it in i think
1: 2002 2004 it was it was kind of around the same time passion of christ came out
0: yeah when it came very close because they filming. were on set about yeah. to start filming And i think they got rained out and like was it the recession that happened something happened Some,
1: they pulled the plug and- yeah yeah george
0: miller this is happening to him all the time because he had the justice league movie he was supposed to make also that they pulled the plug the week of shooting i remember
1: hearing some story that the guy who was going to play superman in the justice league movie was like literally on his front lawn waiting for a taxi when he got the call like a taxi to the airport when he got the call that the movie was canceled
0: Mm -hmm. and i mean people like um you know the guy that's in uh the lone ranger and the facebook movie Uh, army hammer army Hammer. he was gonna play batman Oh, okay. And that was before he did anything else. I
1: love that they were actually going to film that parallel to the Christopher Nolan Batman movies. So there could yeah. have been two Batman. Who cares? Like yeah. people
0: aren't dumb. This is the thing that like yeah. like nerds always get in a kerfuffle
1: about, where they're like, "Oh, the continuity of this. It doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. doesn't matter." So, uh, my number one is the trailer for Batman versus Superman, <laughs> which you're <we're> very excited. <laughs> most anticipated film of 2016. You know what? I'm a sucker for any, any Batman movie. I, I, are you? Yeah, I am. I mean, I mean, most of them are bad, but I'm, I'm a sucker for, uh, you know, I love to see what they do with Alfred and what they do with the Batcave. I love to see each new generation's interpretation of these classic tropes.
0: Uh, so as, uh. A friend of mine said while watching the trailer, Batman will be fat in this movie because if <laughs> you've seen his suit, it's very
1: big. Well, he's got to be big when he's fighting Superman.
0: And he's fighting, uh, you know, uh, the Abomination from the Incredible Hulk, the I awful CGI creation. I don't know what
1: that is. <laughs> oh no,
0: sorry, a Doomsday. Dooms- know- oh,
1: from from the death of Superman.
0: Yeah, that's who he's fighting. Yeah. He's supposed to be Michael Shannon doing mocap, I-
1: which is where we want Michael Shannon to be. I've seen the trailer where Wonder Woman shows up and Superman goes, is she with you? And Batman goes, I thought she was with you. <laughs> And that's kind, of, kind of a, a You know what, but rate. Zack Snyder is great at cutting trailers and
0: that trailer is awful. Yeah, There's terrible. There's nothing good in that, except for Jesse Eisenberg, who looks like he took the
1: role on a dare and wants to sink the ship as quickly as possible. I love that part where uh, Bruce Wayne and Clark Kent are talking to each other and they're kind of like, boy, I definitely wouldn't want to be Superman. <laughs> oh yeah, I think Superman's pretty cool. Not like Batman. It's like <laughs> such a loaded conversation. That's true drama, Will. Yeah. True drama.
0: All right. So what are your
1: honorable mentions?
0: Uh, Jeez, you rolled your eyes when you say you're like, what's your honorable mentions? So Mordecai, no deposit. What else? (laughs) Um, uh, I actually had a list here of not honorable mentions, but movies that we're not talking about. And people are probably going to be like, where are those movies on your list? Ex Machina. Will hasn't seen it. I haven't seen it. I Uh, work for a living. I can't see every single movie. (laughs) um, (laughs) I saw it. I liked it. I wasn't blown away by it. Moving
1: on. That's going to be your answer for all these. No, it's not. Hateful Eight. I really liked it. Almost there. I was uh, moderately entertained when I watched it, and it's been steadily diminishing in my memory ever since. I feel like it's kind of most of Tarantino's less good tendencies uh, pushed to the extreme. And I also feel like it is so overloaded with um, self-consciously badass Tarantino monologues that it gets kind of... Better or worse than Death Proof? Better. (laughs) Everything is better than Death Proof. (laughs) De- Death Proof has those endless scenes of women sitting around a table all talking like Tarantino. <laughs> and there's nothing you hate You've about? You've never seen Vanishing Point? <laughs> Isn't that how women talk all the time? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Not a single woman I've met has talked like that. Whoa, 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 that's loaded. All right, Jerry, are you going to say <laughs> now that women aren't funny either? Or? I'm saying they don't talk like Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> Nobody talks like Quentin Tarantino except Quentin Tarantino.
0: Hey, I talk like Quentin
1: Tarantino. Okay. No, you don't. <laughs> Uh, Anna Manalisa, uh, uh thumbs, up. Yeah, um, thumbs up, but I will, I will say that it's a little bit, um, you know, so something about it rubbed me a little bit the wrong way of this kind of middle-aged guy kind of justifying, you know, cheating on his wife, uh, and being kind of a dick. Yeah. I just kind of found it underwhelming. Like it's good. Uh, it, I think it's a very kind of observant mm-hmm. in a Jacques Tati sort of way. Yeah yeah
0: it's good all right moving on and carol carol thumbs up i liked it yep didn't see it not on my list
1: nope
0: (laughs) yeah wait wait people love carol don't they a lot of people love carol i liked it yeah you like it's very good didn't love it all right what are some of your honorable mentions then
1: uh i liked how heavy this hammer another one of those post mumblecore sort of movies Uh, you didn't like it nope Uh, you don't like movies about you know character studies of insufferable people (laughs) Ah, sure i do I liked Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. Ugh, I love Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. Yeah, that's Rogue more your speed, isn't it? Yeah. Ah, dumb explosions. Come yeah. on, let's go. I also thought Spotlight was a really solid piece of work. Yeah, Spotlight's solid. Yeah.
0: It's going to win Best Picture probably yeah. because, I know. couldn't put it on my top ten because, no. like, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, it's it, it's fine, you know. <laughs> Uh, I'm trying to think of honorable mentions. I actually didn't really make a list of uh, these. Sion Sono's basically filmography of 2015, 2014, the way they get its release is really weird. For people who don't know, Sion Sono is basically the Takashi Mike of the 2000s mm-hmm. in that he makes six to eight movies a year. But unlike Miike, he actually makes a little ones and a Hollywood-like, I mean, Japanese blockbusters. Uh this year he released Tokyo Tribe, which I really liked. Did you see Tokyo Tribe? Yes I did. And you found it insufferable, didn't you? I liked it for about ten minutes and then <laughs> after that it got a little tiresome. Nope. Loved it. Uh which is like this rap musical kung fu film. Uh-huh. Uh and he also made The Whispering Star which is his kind of Tarkovsky-esque, you will not see a slower movie than The Whispering Star this year, of a woman flying through space in a house, just visiting planets and delivering packages. And everyone speaks in a whisper. I have never seen more people asleep in a movie theater than I, ev- than I had watching that movie at TIFF. Uh, he also made Love and Peace. An amazing film. Did you end up seeing that Love and no, Peace? No, no. Ah, so good. It's like a rock musical k film that is a surprise Christmas movie in its last 30 minutes. I
1: think my enthusiasm for Scienceono Sono has de- declined in recent years. What why? Uh, you know, I think I think your tolerance for kind of aggressively wacky Asian movies is higher than mine. No, but uh, what I'm saying is like The Whispering Star is not aggressively wacky. And- I I haven't seen it, I, but I, I it was uh Why don't we why don't you play in Hell mm. and tokyo tribe i saw yeah you're
0: seeing like one like because he started actually as a poet artist before he became a filmmaker i
1: loved love exposure his four i love exposure fantastic
0: but those three movies you mentioned are on his more excitable plane like he makes certain kind of movies And he'll turn around and make littler ones. Uh, There's another movie that he made. And now I can't remember what that is. Uh, Oh, Tag. I really enjoyed that one. And that one is his commentary on the disposable nature of women in media in Japan and women in general. It's been seen often as misogynistic, the movie Tag. But it probably is then, right? (laughs) No, it's not. Which is weird because a lot of his films do have those misogynistic tendencies. Like Cold Fish. Yeah, like Cold Fish. Well, I mean, it depends on... How you look at it? I mean, Cold Fish. You wouldn't call that one of his big, like, excitable movies, would you? No, I would call it one of the movies that I've seen. (laughs) All right. So, is there any other movies that made your honorable mention list? Uh,
1: no. What are you looking forward to next year? I knew you were gonna ask this question. Superman.
0: Uh, What am I looking forward to? I mean, maybe if you mention
1: some things, it'll. I'm looking forward to It Man Three coming out in a few weeks, (laughs) January 22nd. Johnny Yen versus Mike Tyson. (laughs) Yeah,
0: that is the one highlight you're looking forward to. Is that? Yeah. What else is coming out this year? I don't know. I don't know. I don't really keep track of that kind of stuff. When it comes out, it comes out. Are there some kind of Marvel films coming out? Oh, That's more to my speed.
1: Probably. You know. Maybe we should just shut this down right now. If
0: Captain America three actually looks really good. Yeah, you don't like those. I know you're. More you know of what? A- I'm, I'm. so the tra- intellectual. Listen,
1: the trailer for Captain America three came out, and there was there was a scene in that movie in the trailer where the guy goes, "Some people think you're a hero, but others think you're a vigilante." And it's like, I am so tired of this, of this in superhero movies. This, oh, is he a hero or is he a vigilante? I have had my lifetime fill of What do you mean? Serious moral debate in stupid superhero movies. <laughs> like what? You mean The Dark Knight? Yeah, The Dark Knight or any of those movies. Yeah, I, what other ones? Uh, the Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> so only The Dark Knight uh, movies. Yeah. But I have uh, a hot
0: take. My favorite Christopher Nolan Batman movie, Batman
1: Begins. Uh, yeah, probably.
0: Actually, the hottest take would probably say The Dark Knight Rises, right? Because that movie is objectively terrible.
1: Yeah, it is pretty bad. It's funny, though.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, in a bad way. It's got some good laughs. laughs. Wait, what is coming out? I can't actually think of, like, filmmakers that are releasing films in 2016. I mean, I'm excited for Martin Scorsese's new movie, yeah, which he's yeah. doing... um. The, uh, he's adapting The Devil in the White City about the guy who had that murder
1: house in Well, the before the that, century. though, he's got silence.
0: All right, silence. I'm like, look- I guess yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, no, no,
1: not really, though. It's going to come out. That'll I'll be, be like, like Kundun, right?
0: Yeah. I'll be like, I guess I have to see this. <laughs> yeah. But other than that, yeah, man, we're just really not forward. Look- I feel like death... Is around the corner every day, so I really don't want to look forward to things too much. That's what I'm looking forward
1: to is death. <laughs> death. So, on that note,
0: <laughs> um, are uh, you going to end the podcast? I think so.
1: Let's put the re- listener out of their misery.
0: <laughs> My name's Justin the Clue. My name's Will Slawn.
1: Thanks for listening,
0: and have yourself a great 2016. <laughs> <laughs> this week, we're not going to be talking about films. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <What am> I- <laughs> We are, though. (laughs) Yeah, we are. That's (laughs) why I corrected myself. Are we going to talk about our feelings? (laughs) Yeah.